0: Today is our third Sunday of Advent, and we're continuing our series, A Messy Journey. And I'm going to talk this morning on that very topic, the journey. You know, there are so many journeys in the Christmas story. We have the big journey itself from Mary getting pregnant to the birth. You have the journey of Mary and Joseph as a couple, The journey of Mary and Joseph, literally, from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The journey of our Savior from heaven to earth, and the wise man, and the shepherds, and some angels. Lots and lots of journeys. And most of them were difficult, taxing, demanding, and tough. And we too take lots of different journeys in our own Christmas story. Some of our journeys include shopping for next year's Christmas present from the clearance rack the day after Christmas. These folks often like to listen to Christmas music year round. They decorate in late October and sometimes those decorations will stay with us all the way to March. They're filled with Christmas enthusiasm. Other folks are starting their journey this week. Their journey may be a bit more rushed and stressful. And some folks are in the middle, like good old Carol Ann, who loves Christmas, but waits till Thanksgiving to begin playing Christmas carols from both her phone and her clock. There are so many different journeys. Even Christmas Day or the days around it can feel like a long and hard journey rushing from place to place, cooking and cleaning and wrapping and keeping up with text messages and phone calls, getting that last gift at CVS on the way to the party because you found out a guest was invited you didn't know about. Lots and lots of journeys. And frankly, in a time that should be filled with calm and peace and reverence and joy and celebration, some of our journeys are difficult, taxing, demanding, and tough. And this morning we're going to talk about embracing our journey. I want to talk a little bit about the literal journey of Mary and Joseph and how we can learn from it and embrace our own journey in a new and potentially powerful way. Our scripture this morning is only five simple verses that give us some useful information about the journey Mary and Joseph took. They give us a little bit of the who, what, when, why, and where. It starts with a why, a census. You must travel to be counted. And of course, we all know the story. It's a little much bigger than that. Second, we're giving a who. Who? Everyone. Go to your own town and register everyone. And in our story, we'll follow Mary and Joseph. We're given a where. Joseph must go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They had to travel, travel 90 miles to the city of Joseph's ancestors, south along the flatlands on the Jordan River, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem, and on into Bethlehem. The trip was very much uphill and downhill, and in no way was it simple. And now we have a why, We have a who, we have a where, not mentioned is the how. How are they going to get there? And there's no what or guts to the trip outlined. There's not a what will happen, and no one tells us when. This profound and notorious journey is only described in one sentence. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea Bethlehem that's it he up and went this leaves a lot to our imagination how they got there what they experienced when they actually went scholars and historians who study to help us well they don't all agree there are various theories of the when and of the how some sources argue that Jesus was born in the spring some say the winter Some debate how long that journey took. The most agreed upon hypothesis is that they traveled for four days from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now I want you to think about it for a minute. That's 90 miles in four days. At about 2.4 miles per hour, eight hours a day. That's 20 miles in a day. Others say that theory doesn't leave any extra time for important things like bathroom breaks, meal times, and the realities of being extremely pregnant. How Joseph would have taken his time and cared for Mary. So what was it? Four days, a week, ten days? Did they move slow or at a miraculous pace as the parents of Christ? We don't really know. Looking at the how, how did they do it? The image we have is delicate Mary cloaked on the donkey with Joseph pulling it as her confident protector, one step at a time, easy peasy. Yet the road may have been filled with travelers. It said Joseph also went up. They could have traveled alone or with a group of people in a caravan providing them with safety and help with the many tasks on the way. And there would have been a ton. So we really don't know when or for how long, and we don't really know how, but we have some good, strong ideas, but many unknowns. Many things left for us to debate and imagine. But there are some what's that we can be sure of. We can determine what it was like, what they had to do, what they may have experienced on that journey. There are so many things to know about the times to understand what is not seen in that picture of Mary and Joseph, what's beyond that one verse. This was a difficult trip, long and dangerous, demanding, and in many ways punishing. And that's without full-term pregnancy. Moving along, the Jordan River Valley offers fresh water and edible plants and some safety, but the hazards were many. Wild animals, bandits, desert robbers, and more factored into the environment, to the climate of the trip. The valley of the Jordan River was a blanket of forest teeming with lions, bears, and boar a 90-mile journey that included the possibility of attack from a lion, bear, or wild boar. That would require some serious grit, especially if they were alone. Bandits, pirates, robbers, we really cannot imagine how hard this was. They didn't live in a stable, law-abiding, peaceful society. In many ways, it was kind of wild. And this matters as we look at their 90-day, 90-mile journey. Assuming they traveled in winter, it was quite cold. Miserable, really, for it could have been rainy and muddy, wet and awful. Mary and Joseph would likely have worn heavy wooden cloaks constructed specifically to shed rain. Underneath, long robes belted at the waist, socks, and maybe enclosed shoes. But let's be real. They didn't have rain boots or high quality hiking gear. They slept on the ground. They had to carry their provisions. Water would need to be carried, perhaps in wineskins. And the hardship, the living nightmare that they felt on this journey did not end when Joseph and Mary reached Bethlehem. Due to the census, Bethlehem was overcrowded. And as we know, there was no room at the end, just a stable. Their journey This journey ends in a stable. There's something important to be said about Mary and Joseph. They were tough. They were strong. They were capable. Both knew hard work and both had to have courage, faith, determination, and impeccable fortitude. How else could they have made it through? I imagine they worked together and stayed focused on the good focused on the miracle inside her belly. Nothing on the outside of them was more important than what was brewing on the inside of her. I would imagine when the innkeeper said, all I have is a stable, they still wanted to celebrate, just to sit down and have some shelter. And there's so much divinity here. A newly betrothed couple, pregnant by immaculate conception, forced to register for a census in a town far away. Coincidentally, the town is called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. They take this arduous, grueling journey, only to get there to find they must stay in a stable. God sent Mary and Joseph to the house of bread to bring forth the bread of life in a lowly stable and in no part of their journey no part of their life journey got in the way of their divine journey no moment or struggle in their reality interfered or corrupted their journey with Christ we have to trudge along to Bethlehem fine still carrying the Christ child we're going to have to sleep and birth in a stable Fine. Still birthing in the Christ child, never really knowing what God was up to, but faithfully focused. A lesson to parallel in our life. It's about the why. Christ. Who. Everyone. The when, the where, the hows, and the whats are all unknown, individual on our journeys to Christ. Our life journey often muddies the water of our divine journey and celebrating Christmas is part of that. Christmas for everyone here today, watching at home and in the world, varies. Not just in the week before or the day itself, but in the years that pass and in the life that is lived around it. What happens on the outside of us deeply impacts what happens on the inside. As we experience loss, setbacks, disappointments during the Christmas season, it can build up. For some, the season can become a painful, gut-wrenching time instead of the peaceful, magnificent season it should be. Life's journey year to year can be a lot like Mary and Joseph's. Poorly timed, wretched conditions, pain and suffering, included disappointment at every turn, our journey in life can greatly impact Christmas. We must balance joy with pain. Just look at these candles lit here this morning. My Christmas story as a child was magical. I remember at six and seven years old, what a wondrous day it would be. We opened presents well before the sun came up, followed by a large family breakfast, then church, then family lunch and more presents, then visits from family, then dinner with family, then more presents. We went home on Christmas Day completely and totally exhausted. We were poor, very poor. But my mom and dad pinched and worked so hard to see that we had what we needed to believe we were the richest kids in the world. And we had so much love. And on Christmas Eve in 1986, I was eight years old, and we headed to my grandma's house in the early morning for one of my favorite parts of Christmas, riding to town for a box of hot chocolate, one for me and one from my brother at the Dollar General store. We would come home with our boxes and sit with Grandma Letha wrapping each one individually so that we too would have something to give to all of our aunts, uncles, and cousins at our Christmas gathering. It was the most special and spectacular thing. I'm going to be 46 years old in February, and I can tell you honestly, I can feel the joy of that hot chocolate the pleasure in how each face would come alive at our gift. It was such a special thing. But on that Christmas, as we each got ready to get in the car, my grandma Letha called for my mom from the bathroom. That was the last time we would hear her voice or feel her hugs or know her love. A few hours later on Christmas Eve, she went home to be with the Lord. And I gotta tell you, it sure made Christmas awful. Every song, every mention, and Christmas didn't get any better for me. The next loss over that holiday was the marriage of my parents, my grandfather, more people I loved, and then in 1996, the near death of myself. As I wanted so desperately to escape from so much trauma, I hated Christmas. You've met people before who don't like Christmas, but you may never have met someone who saw that time as dark, And paralyzing as me. And why do I tell you this? Why share this glimpse into my story for you to see? Because just like a dark and paralyzed soul can be redeemed and saved by our Lord and Savior, even the nastiest Scrooge or foulest Grinch can find their way to embrace Christmas. I had no choice but to figure that out in December of 2002, when after gaining 100 miserable pounds with feet that made Fred Flintstones look slender, after a lonely, miserable, and rotten journey, I became a mom to the wonder you all know as my daughter. After Haley was born, I had to put a lot of thought into my relationship with Christmas. Having in the child in the mix of that misery would be so cruel. It would cheat her, rob her of a time she should know as bliss. So I had to change. And it wasn't easy. My dad's candle's over there. So I can't tell you that the work stops. My cousin died last night. His sister is in critical care in the hospital, expected as well. And my great aunt is in ICU. The life journey just keeps moving. But here's the thing this Christmas Scrooge has tried to remember over the last 21 years. Christmas isn't about me. It's not about the things I've experienced and it isn't about my pain. In fact, it's the one day of the year that is the total opposite of that. Christmas didn't hurt me or cause me to suffer. Christmas gifted me the answer to my suffering. Christmas is the day my Lord was born, the only source of healing for all the misery of our life journeys. The only source of joy when we have none, the only source of redemption for the places we lack, the only source of divinity that leads and guides all that we are. He was born on a day centered on giving, loving, celebrating. Life's journeys are messy. Mary and Joseph knew that and taught us to remember it's about our Savior. I think Mary and Joseph would say this to us today. Keep walking through the mud with your hands full. Up the hill, down the hill, drag your provisions, gather your firewood. Try to avoid the lions and boars and bears. Watch out for the bandits and robbers. They will steal from you. But remember, your journey is divine, even if you can't see that. Embrace it, and every Christmas, reflect not on what you've been through, on what you've lost, on how you suffer, but on the gift that cures you of that suffering, on the child whose birth guarantees you are not lost but found, the savior who doesn't care where you've been, only where you're going. Embrace the journey. The who, the what, when, where, why, and how. And let Christmas be a day you take to escape from it. And revel in the Christ child that came to save you from it. Amen.